talk to you specifically about uh, measuring your faith. And I will present the, the, the title of our communication uh, as a question. What are your faith measurements? What are your faith measurements? What are your faith measurements? And uh, when you think of faith measurements or measuring faith or measuring anything, you think of, you know, perhaps you might think of a ruler, you know, or a tape measurer. You know, if you're going to measure me, uh, uh, measure my clothing, you would need a tape measure of some sort. If you're going to measure, uh, you know, uh, liquid powders, uh, you would need uh, perhaps a measuring cup or a measuring spoon. Uh, if you're going to measure time, you would need a chronometer or a clock of some sort. Uh, but how do you measure faith? Uh, if you're going to measure my weight, you would need a scale. Uh, if you want to measure fruit, you would need a scale of some sort or measure gold and jewelry. Uh, you would need a scale to measure weight. But how do you measure faith? Do you use a, a yardstick? How do you measure something like faith? And uh, just like they're natural physical instruments and tools and equipment that is necessary to measure those other things that I've just mentioned to you. There are some spiritual tools and instruments that are necessary in order to measure faith. And I'm going to share some of those tools with you that you can use to assess or measure your faith. Now, when we talk about faith measurements, uh, and when I share these tools with you in a little bomb, they're not for the purposes of judging someone else. Uh, you can use these tools or these spiritual instruments or tools to measure your own faith. Amen. Measure your own faith, not for assessing where someone else is or isn't. Now, if somebody asks you to help them with a diagnosis and you have some insight, then you can help them. Praise God. You want to be a blessing to them. You love them. And uh, you're doing it in a way that's not condemning and judgmental. Uh, you're helping them. But these tools that I'm going to give you are not for the purposes of judging others. Oh, you're not where you need to be at. No, for measuring your own self. Praise God. And uh, go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Let's begin here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I notice how the anointing increases when you get into Scripture. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we're going to get into Scripture. And uh, in order to remain scriptural, we need Scriptures. Glory to God. What are your faith measurements? What are your faith measurements? Say that with me out loud. What are your faith measurements? Glory to God. Romans chapter 12. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12. And uh, let's look at verse 3. For I say, through the grace that's given unto me, to every man that is amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, the measure of faith. Then verse four reads, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office or function. This word office can be used interchangeably with the word function. For all members have not the same office presupposes that all members have an office or function. And so he's going to talk about the functional gifts or the motivational gifts for a few moments here. He says, he says, for all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or you could say measure of faith. And then he goes on to mention some other things in verses seven and eight. 
Now, if you jump back to uh, chapter 11 and look at verse 29, chapter 11 and verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And so he's talking about the restoration of the Jewish nation. And although they had rejected God, God would still bring his promises concerning them to pass. But a broader application is that any uh, calling or gift to support that calling is without repentance, is without repentance. Uh, But I notice here in verse 3, he uses uh, this expression, measure of faith. And he uses this expression, measure of faith, in context with introducing the gifts and callings through which faith would manifest itself. He uses this expression, measure of faith, in context with introducing the gifts and callings through which faith would manifest itself. But faith doesn't just manifest itself through the gifts and callings. Faith manifests itself through other means as well, other areas as well. And uh, in fact, the word tells us that the just shall live by faith. In four different places, the just shall live by faith. So it is um, uh, the lifestyle of the righteous. We're to live by faith. In fact, it's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Somebody say, I live by faith. I please the Father. And uh, so we're to live by faith, and just everything you do is to be by faith. You tithe by faith. You give by faith. You love by faith. You walk by faith. Everything you do, you do it by faith. This is God's uh, requirement for you and I is that we live by faith. Praise God. Now, who has the faith of God? We're talking about faith measurements, and we're going to get into some of that, but we need to lay a little foundation, if that's okay. Uh, Who has the faith of God? When did you receive this faith of God? Um, Did you receive an inferior measure than someone else? Or did you receive a superior measure than someone else? Who does not have this faith? Glory to God. How do we measure faith? Let's answer some of those questions. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Romans chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. And verse 5. Glory to God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Notice what it says here. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is poured out in our hearts by Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I say Holy Ghost because I don't like to refer to Holy Ghost as the, like the Scott is there, the Cynthia is there, the Holy Ghost. I like to refer to him without the the Holy Ghost. So if you hear me say Holy Ghost, it's not that I don't know how to read. It's just that I prefer not to say the when it refers to him, a person, Holy Spirit. And so uh, notice here in verse 5, Holy Ghost, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so when you receive Jesus, the Christ, as your Lord and Savior, God the Father, God the Son came to reside on the inside of you you in in the person of Holy Spirit. And when Holy Spirit came, love came. Somebody say love came. And when love came, all the characteristics of love came as well. Joy came, peace came, patience came, gentleness came, goodness came, meekness came, temperance came, faith came. So all the characteristics of love came when love came. And love came when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God the Father, God the Son dwells within you in the person of Holy Spirit. And when Holy Spirit came, love came. Say this with me. The love of God God. is resident on the inside of me right now. I have the fruit of the Spirit. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. You say, what does this have to do with faith? Well, faith is a characteristic of love. 
Go to Galatians chapter 5. And love is resonant on the inside of you because you're born again. So you and I have the faith of God because we have the love of God. And as a part of those characteristics that are associated with the love of God is faith. Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruit of the Spirit are, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the characteristics of love include the following. The, the fruit of the Spirit is, notice, notice he didn't say are, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then we see here, he's, there's a, a list of uh, characteristics here. Joy, peace, joy is a characteristic of love. Peace is a characteristic of love. Long-suffering or patience is a characteristic of love. Gentleness is a characteristic of love. Goodness is a characteristic of love. Faith, meekness, temperance. These are characteristics of love. And when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, are, you receive all of these characteristics. You have them now. Some have said, I don't have patience. No, you do have patience. No Christian is void of patience. You do have patience. You have it. You may not understand it. You may not be cultivating your understanding where patience is concerned. You may not be practicing patience, but you have it. You have joy. You cannot say, should not say, I don't have joy. You're not deficient of joy. You have joy. You may not understand how to cooperate with it, you know, uh, but you do have joy. We need to act on it. We need to practice joy, but you have joy. You have peace. You have gentleness. You have goodness. You have meekness. You have temperance. You have faith. You have these characteristics resident on the inside of you right now. And if you and I got born again on the exact same day, at the exact same time, God did not give you a greater measure of faith than he gave me. He didn't give you something inferior. He didn't give you something superior. He didn't give you, he gave you, the, we have the same quantity and the same quality of faith. No one received anything inferior or superior. Same quality, same quantity at that time. If you and I got born again, let's say Sunday, March the 5th, 1948 you know, then we would have received the exact same thing. Now, uh, fast forwarding, I could be at a greater measure of development than you, or you could be at a greater place of development than I, but it's not because of anything God did. God did not give you something deficient in quality or quantity, but what I did with my faith, how I used my faith could bring me to a place where I have a greater level of development than you, but it wasn't God's fault. So it's what you and I do with our faith that's going to determine whether we become stronger or whether we grow where our faith is concerned. Can we see that? And some have said, you may have heard, I know I've heard it over the years, that, uh, you know, your faith can become stronger in the midst of uh, temptations, tests, and trials. Or temptations, tests, and trials can cause your faith to get stronger. Well, that's, that's incomplete in the way that it's communicated. And uh, your faith can become stronger as you act on the word in the midst of a temptation, in the midst of a test, in the midst of a trial. But don't give credit to the trial, the test, or the temptation. Amen. The credit goes to God and, and how you handle the word. If you act on the word in the midst, the word of faith, in the midst of a temptation, in the midst of a test, in the midst of the trial, then you'll get stronger but you're not giving credit to the trial. You're not getting, you know, sickness and disease may come upon someone, but it's not coming to make them stronger. It's coming to kill them. You know, 
And so it's not coming to make them stronger at all. Sickness, disease, you know, lack. It's not coming to help you. It's a harm. That's not a good thing. And so now temptations, tests, and trials are not the only thing that we can use our faith in. We can use our faith for faith projects, some great things, some good things, some assignments that God has given you. You can use your faith in the midst of those things. Praise God. So we can use our faith on projects or you can use your faith on problems. But what are you going to do with the word of faith that you've received? Are you acting on that word? Are you studying that word? Are you meditating that word? Are you developing yourself in the word so that when temptations or tests or trials or opportunities present themselves to you, you are able to act on that word in a corresponding way. You're able to be faithful to what you have received over time where the word is concerned. I have barbells at my uh, place of residence. And, uh, but barbells don't make you stronger. Barbells doesn't cause you to have more muscles. My barbells are in the basement of my house. And, you know, the last time I interacted with them was a few days ago. Uh, but I don't interact with them on a consistent basis, uh, more consistent than I have, but not uh, consistent as I could be. And, 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 but barbells don't make you stronger. It's what you do with the barbells. It's applying the resistance. It's exercising. And so I can become stronger. And so faith, you have faith. You have this spiritual force of faith as a, as a residing force. Faith resides on the inside of you. It's an abiding force. It resides on the inside of each and every one of us right now. But what are we going to do with it? Amen. Now, the unregenerate man, he does not have the faith of God. Uh, he can certainly believe things and he can act on things that he believes, but he does not have the faith of God. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse two tells us that the unrighteous man or the wicked man or unreasonable man does not have faith. He does not have the faith of God. You and I have the faith of God. Amen. Somebody say, I have the faith of God. It came to reside on the inside of me when I received Jesus as my Lord and savior. I did not receive anything inferior or anything of lesser quality. I have the same precious faith. Go to second Peter chapter one, please. Second Peter chapter one. Everybody okay? Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter one. Glory to God. See, I can get excited and, uh, and we can, we can miss some things very easily. And I don't want you to miss anything. And I don't want to miss anything. I want to make sure that we, we get this to you. Second uh, Peter chapter one, notice something here. Second Peter chapter one and uh, verse one, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ or Jesus, the anointed one to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our savior, Jesus Christ. We have the like precious faith. The same quality of faith stuff that Peter had, Paul had, the same stuff. Praise God. Somebody say, I have the faith of God. I have the faith of God. Glory to God. Now, I want to make a distinction as we're navigating here uh, between belief and faith. And two types of believing. There's sense knowledge believing, and then there's heart belief. Sense knowledge belief and heart belief. And sometimes you hear people say, I'm believing, but you don't know which word, what, what they're referring to. Are they referring to sense knowledge believing or heart belief? Sense knowledge belief is to accept something as being true based on what you can see with your physical eyes, smell with your physical nose, taste with your physical mouth, hear with your physical ears, or touch with your physical hands. Sense knowledge believing. I believe that because I can see it with my physical eyes. I believe that because I can smell it, I can taste it, I can touch it, I can interact with it with my senses. That's why I believe it. Like Thomas, you remember Thomas? 
who, was, who used to be known as Doubting Thomas. He believed because of what he could perceive with his senses. And, uh, but then there's heart belief, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession. So there's heart belief. Heart belief, belief is to accept something as being true independent of sense knowledge evidence. Heart belief is to accept something as being true independent of sense knowledge evidence. You believe it without having to perceive it by the senses. You believe it because God said it. And what he said is greater than what you see to you. He said something to you and you're not allowing what you perceive by the senses to be greater than what he said. What he said is greater than what you perceive by the senses. So even if uh, that situation has not moved yet that you're dealing with or concerned about, what he said is greater than what you see. What he said is greater than what you're able to perceive by the senses. God's word is greater and should have a higher place for you and I. Praise God. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 17. Glory to God. Luke chapter 17, please. And let's park there for a second. Now, belief, I can't see your belief. I can't see what you believe because it's functioning in your heart. It's an invisible force that operates within your heart. I can't see what you believe. But now we see something really interesting with Jesus. And uh, when he was in a house ministering over in Mark chapter 2, there were four men that let down their their friend through the tilings and into the house. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Now, he couldn't see their faith when they were on the outside. He couldn't see what they believed. But once they acted on what they believed in a corresponding way, he could see it. Faith is the application of what you believe. Faith is acting on what you believe. Now, faith and belief come from the same Greek root word family. Faith and believe and believed and believing and unbelief come from the same Greek root word family. Uh, but there are different nuances associated with faith and belief. I can't see your belief. You're sitting there right now. I can't see what you believe. I don't know what you believe just by you sitting there. I can see all of you here, but I don't know what you believe. But once you act on what you believe in a corresponding way, that's faith. Faith is the application of what you believe. Faith is acting on what you believe. Say that with me. Faith, faith. is acting on what I believe. Now let's go to Luke. Now this is all important to measuring faith. This is all important to measuring faith. So when we talk about these details and these nuances associated with measuring faith, you'll really be able to tap into it in a greater way because of the foundation that's been laid in advance. Glory to God. We'll have something to stand on. All right. So now Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. Glory to God. Then said he, speaking of Jesus, unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better that for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespassed against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespassed against you seven times in the day and seven times in the day turn again saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now, uh, one rendering says 490 times in the day. 70 times seven. And so that means just walk in love. Amen. Walk in love. You know, a consistent flow of forgiveness will, 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 will be an operation. Just walk in the love of God. Amen. Amen. And that's another thing. Don't ever get offended. And, you know, uh, you said, wait a minute. What do you mean don't ever get offended? It's possible not to get embarrassed. Uh, you have to receive embarrassment. You have to receive offense. Offense is something that has to be received. You have to let it in. 
You don't have to receive offense. You don't have to take offense as a husband or as a wife. You don't have to receive offense. And, uh, and whenever you get offended, you hinder the flow of the anointing. And uh, you saw that happening. You see that happening in Mark chapter 6. You don't have to turn there, but Jesus could there, not that he would there, but he could there do no mighty work in his own hometown because of unbelief and because of offense. Offense will always hinder the flow of God's ability. But if we stay in the love of God, then we don't have to be uh, dealing with that. Praise God. So now over here in Luke chapter 17, and so we see that we should walk in love, certainly. Glory to God. And, uh, and Jesus and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now, they're the ones that brought this thought up about increasing their faith. They said, increase our faith. Forgiving somebody that many times, Lord, increase my faith. You're going to increase my faith. And, uh, and Jesus responds to them. Notice what he says. He says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you if you had faith as a seed. Now, notice what he did not say. He did not say if you had faith the size of a seed. And sometimes we superimpose that into the flow of his communication. He did not say if you had faith the size of a seed. Now, there is an implication of size because he mentions sycamine. Uh, excuse me. Uh, what did he say? What kind of seed? He says um, uh, mustard seed, right? So there is an implication of size because he says, if you have faith the grain as, as a grain of mustard seed, so there is an implication of size. But the emphasis is not on size. The emphasis is on what you do with the seed, what you do with it. Notice what he says. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, somebody say as a grain, as a grain. of mustard seed, you might say, you might say unto the sycamine tree. Now, sycamine tree is approximately uh, 30 feet in size. That's important. That's important to our discussion. 30 feet in size. Somebody say a sycamine tree is approximately 30 feet in size. All right. So he says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you if you had faith as a seed. If you had faith as a seed, not the size of a seed, but the, the emphasis is on treating your faith in the same way you would treat a seed. What would you do with the seed? You would sow it. What should you do with your faith? You say it. The saying it is a sowing it. If you had faith as a seed, you would say to the sycamine tree. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 17, and uh, we're going to toggle back and forth, so you might not want to lose your spot. Matthew chapter 17, and notice what it says here. You're going to see a similar statement by Jesus in Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> but in Matthew chapter 17, he's going to use a different object. He's, instead of saying, uh, using sycamine tree, he's going to refer to a mountain. Instead of using a sycamine tree, he's going to refer to a mountain. Matthew chapter 17, and uh, Jesus and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, were at the Mount of Transfiguration. And, uh, uh, and while nine, the nine other disciples were back uh, in the area doing the works of Jesus. And they had been successful at doing the works of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the disciples were successful at doing the works of Jesus. Mark chapter 6 and verse 13 tells us so. Mark chapter 6 and verse 13. You don't have to turn there, but just note that down. Mark 6, 13 shows us that they were successful at doing the works of Jesus. Jesus had delegated authority to them. They had authority to cast out demons, to minister healing to the sick. They were successful. They were successful at doing so. And, uh, but then they came across this child of a father who was a lunatic, and he had seizures, and, and he would... He would 
jump in the fire, then jump in the water, then he would have convulsions, he would foam at the mouth, he would roll over the, over the ground. And when they saw this, they allowed what they saw, they allowed what they were able to perceive by their senses to be greater than what Jesus had said to them. They allowed what they saw to be greater than the authority that had already been delegated to them. They allowed sense knowledge, evidence to influence their faith stance. And so Jesus returns and the other three disciples and Jesus encounters the exact same situation when he had an opportunity to minister to this child. And this child went through the same episode, but Jesus was not moved by what he saw. And so when he spoke to that situation, it obeyed. And so they asked the question, they says in Matthew 17, verse 20 and 21, uh, well, let's start at verse 19. Uh, why, should, why could we not cast them out? Now, it wasn't that they couldn't. It was that they didn't. Because they had the ability to do so, but they were not successful because they allowed sense knowledge evidence to overwhelm their faith stance. And, uh, and Jesus said, he says, uh, they said, why could we not cast them out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. And then he goes on to say, <clears throat> For verily I say unto you that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, as a grain of mustard seed, as a grain of mustard seed, not the size, the emphasis is on as a seed. Treat your faith in the same way you would treat a seed. Faith as a seed, you would say unto this mountain, be thou removed uh, from yonder place, and it shall remove. And so now you have a sycamine tree in one place, which is 30 feet in size, and now you have a mountain, which is approximately 1,000 feet in size. So you have a mountain, which is 1,000 feet in size. You have a sycamine tree, which is 30 feet in size. But yet, the, the grain of mustard seed uh, is being used in both illustrations. So then, you're not having to increase the size of your faith to deal with the size of the problem. You're not having to increase the size of your faith to deal with the size of the problem. So let's say that the sycamine tree is a headache or a knee pain, but the Mountain is diabetes or cancer or AIDS or COVID. But you're not having to increase the size of your faith to deal with the size of your problem. He said mustard seed in Luke 17 and mustard seed in Matthew 17. In both instances, the same size seed, but you have a different size problem that you're dealing with. But if you had faith as a seed, you could say to the sycamine tree, the headache, or you could say to the mountain, the cancer, or whatever it may be, you're not having to increase the size of your faith to deal with the size of the problem, uh, but you need to do something with the faith you have. So I heard a woman of God, awesome woman of God, if I mentioned her name and her husband's name, you would know who they were, and they're famous, they're world known. And uh, they talked about how when uh, many years ago, they were $20,000 in debt, and how they overcame that $20,000 of debt uh, using faith principles and concepts that they've learned from the word and those that had come before them. And then uh, there came a time when they were millions of dollars in debt, and they used the exact same principles. And it worked for the millions of dollars of debt, and it worked for the $20,000 in debt, and they were able to overcome in bo both situations using faith principles and concepts. So use your faith. Right where you are, use your faith. And, you know, you may not have, uh, there may not be something that you, you can do directly, uh, make a phone call, uh, you know, go visit with someone. But the one thing that you can do right now in the season while you're waiting for the Lord to give you some specific instruction, 
the one thing that you can do is call things which be not as though they were. You can start calling right where you are. You can call yourself healed. You can call your increase in. You can call your house. You can call your vehicle. You can call whatever you need to call. You can make the call right where you are. Glory to God. He said, well, what, what's my next move? While you're waiting for the instruction concerning the next move, what can you do right now? You can call things which be not as though they were. I call myself healed. While your back is hurting, I call myself increased. I have my promotion. Things are working in my behalf right now. Independent of what you see, independent of how things feel, you can start calling things which be not as though they were. In fact, the most outstanding characteristic of faith is calling. That's the most outstanding characteristic of faith, calling things which be not as though they were. That's a real thing. And it works for us, and I'm confident it'll work for you as well. Praise God. Somebody said the word of God is working for me now. Now, let's talk about these measures for a few moments. Uh, measure comes from a Greek root word, metron. Measure comes from a Greek root word, metron, M-E-T-R-O-N, and it represents the instrument that is used for measuring. It represents the instrument that is used for measuring. It's not a measure in and of itself, but it is the instrument that is used for measuring. So if you wanted to measure, uh, you know, powders, liquids, uh, you need an instrument. You want to measure your weight, you need an instrument. And so it is the actual instrument that is used for measuring the word metron, measure. But measurement is the standard. Let's define the word measurement for you. Measurement is the standard by which we determine the capacity or dimensions of a person or an object. Measurement is the standard by which we determine the capacities or, or dimension of a person or an object. Measurement. Glory to God. Now, uh, when we talk about faith measurements, we hear and we talk about, and you may have heard, and uh, different measurements such as great faith, weak faith, strong faith, little faith, no faith, or not yet faith, uh, unfeigned faith, and all these different measurements of faith, these are external measurements. Uh, but the Lord shared something with me that I'd like to share with you that will be an empowerment to you and an enablement to you, and that is that they're also internal measurements. In the same way that they are external measurements, they're also internal measurements. Faith measurements begin on the inside. Faith measurements begin by determining how much weight the word carries in your life. Faith measurements begin by determining how much weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, the word carries in your life. Weight is a measurement word. And uh, how much weight does the word carry in your life? When you take um, some problem or some project that you're working on, you put it on one side of the scale and you place God's word on the other side of the scale, which one weighs more? Does the problems or the situations that you're dealing with weigh more than the word? Or does the word carry more weight than those things? Faith measurements begin with determining how much weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, the word carries in your life. Your faith measurement potential is going to be determined by how much weight the word carries in your life, um, how you hear the word, uh, how you hear what you hear, how you hear what you hear. In fact, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Everybody okay? <clears throat> Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Glory to God. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. <clears throat> 424. And it says here, uh, and he said unto them, take heed what you hear. Notice the word what. Take heed what you hear. What you hear is important. What are you listening to? What are you hearing? 
And uh, the word tells us, Jesus tells us, uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He that hath an ear. Somebody say, I have an ear to hear. And having an ear to hear uh, has two implications associated with it. Uh, One school of thought, which is good, is that you have the capacity to hear from within because you're born again. You have the capacity to hear God from within because you're born again. You can hear God via his spirit from the inside because you're born again. You're a child of God. That's one school of thought relative to having an ear to hear. The other school of thought is that you're interested in what's being communicated. It could be said of you that you have an ear to hear because you're interested in what's being communicated. How much value you assess to what you hear. I'm interested in what you're saying. What you're saying is important to me. I'm interested in what you're saying. I'm interested in it. It could be said that you have an ear to hear. Now, we all have these paddles on our head, but that doesn't mean you have an ear to hear. You can have many people within a congregation and uh, everybody heard by virtue of having these paddles on their head, uh, you know, uh, if, if, the, if your hearing is not compromised because of some injury or another, the sounds went past your ears. But the hearing that the Bible is talking about is the hearing that takes place within your heart. You can hear, you know, I, you know, I hear this, I hear some kind of wind or air conditioning system blowing over here, but I'm not listening to that. I'm paying attention to the spirit of God who's resident within my spirit, communicating with me, giving me directions uh, as I'm communicating with you. And so although you hear the sounds with your physical ears, the hearing takes place at the heart level. You know, so as I'm talking to you, God is talking on top of my talking. You're able to hear what he's saying to you. Amen. Amen. If you have an ear to hear, you will hear what the spirit, God's spirit, is saying to you on the inside. And so, and so what is important? What you are hearing is important. But then Luke 8, 18, let's go there. This is also the parable of the sower, Mark 4, the parable of the sower, Luke 8, the parable of the sower. And you go to Luke's account and you look at verse 18, Luke chapter 8 and verse 18. He's not going to use the word what, he's going to use the word how. Luke 8 and verse 18, take heed therefore how you hear. So you and I need to take heed how we hear what we hear. It's not just the what, but it's the how. How you hear what you hear speaks to the value that you assess to the word and the weight that you give to the word. This is important to me. This is important to me. Let me give you an illustration. I'm not saying that this is important to me. This is what you're saying to yourself. This, what I'm hearing is important to me. Let me give you an illustration found in Luke chapter five that will help you. Sometimes People want to get manifestation of healing, and they, they hear about the fact that the gifts of healings and the gift of the working of miracles are associated to the, the life of evangelists and Pastor Derek E. Wilkes, and uh, they may come and say, do that little thing and make that happen. I can't do that. Uh, I can teach and I can preach and create an atmosphere for faith to come, and when faith comes, your faith, you can, with your faith, you connect to the power of God, and the power of God removes the burden and destroys the yoke. Then there are times when the gifts of healings and the gift of working of miracles are in manifestation, and I cooperate with that. And uh, supernatural things happening, and I may not even have to teach because the gifts of healings and the gift of the working of miracles and uh, the gift of faith is in operation, and I'm not having to do any teaching to create that atmosphere for faith uh, because God just says, listen, I got this. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, sometimes people want manifestation, uh, but they don't want to hear the teaching and the communication. 
and that, that could precede the manifestation. And so I want you to see this group of people here over in Luke chapter 5 that matches the description of what I was just giving to you. Amen. But I want to illustrate this to you with scripture. Luke chapter 5, notice here in verse 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. Luke 5 verse 1. And it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. These people pressed in to hear the word of God. They were interested in the word. They had an ear to hear. I want to hear what you're saying, Mr. Jesus. I want to hear what you're saying. Glory to God. And then if you slide down to verse 15, Luke chapter 5 and verse 15, but so much more there went a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be something. They came together to hear and to be something. They didn't just come to be healed. They came to hear and to be healed. They didn't come to be healed. They came to hear and to be healed. And there's value to that because now you can retain. You know how to fight the good fight of faith even, even when the man of God is not there. You know how to fight the good fight of faith. You have ammunition. You know what to do. Glory to God. You, you, you've discovered that, you know, the most outstanding characteristic of faith is calling things which be not as though they were. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And uh, we can do that even on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. Glory to God. Amen. And so it's an important consideration. And we see them coming to hear and to be healed in verse uh, uh, healed of their infirmities. And then, of course, uh, look at verse. Let's see here. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Glory to God. There's a way to tap into the manifestation of the power of God in any arena. Keep hearing. Hearing is important. Hearing is important. Somebody say hearing is important. Hearing is important. Glory to God. Let me give you something here that will bless you real good. Glory to God. Uh, I want you to write these things down here. I'm going to give you uh, <clears throat> some nuggets that will help you where measuring your faith is concerned. Glory to God. There are several instruments that can be helpful in measuring our faith, and uh, one of which is hope. I'm going to give you several of them, and you can write these down. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I want you to write these down. We won't have time to kind of go through each one of them in detail, uh, but I want you to write them down because these are the spiritual instruments or devices or equipment that you can use to measure your own faith. Glory to God. What are your faith measurements? Do any of you know what your faith measurements are? Don't answer that question. Uh, that was rhetorical. But I want you to write these things down. Uh, one, hope, H-O-P-E, hope. Two, patience. I'm going to come back and mention them again. If you know me, I'm going to repeat these. Glory to God. Patience. Number three, joy. Number four, peace. Number five, righteousness. I'm going to talk about these a little bit. Number six, love. Number seven, words. Number eight, thanksgiving. I'll repeat those. Hope, this is not, uh, this is not natural, wishy hope. There's natural hope. I sure wish that John would show up at 2 o'clock. That's natural hope. Uh, it's unsure. <clears throat> it's unsure and it's uncertain. <clears throat> it's unsure and it's uncertain. Pardon me. <clears throat> but there's Bible hope. Bible hope is sure and is certain, a better rendering for it could be expectation. The word for hope 
uh, from a New Testament perspective is expectation. So instead of using the word hope, you could use the word expectation, but I gave it to you as hope first, just to provoke your thinking. And, uh, but expectation would be a better word, expectation. Somebody say expectation. If you're not expecting, you're not in faith. So if you want to assess whether you're in faith or not, check whether you're in expectation. Do you expect that? Do you expect to get that job? I don't, I don't know what to expect. You're not in faith. If you're not expecting, you're not in faith. If you're not expecting, you're not in faith. And, uh, you know, there are women that have become pregnant and uh, they'll say something like, I'm expecting. The reason they can say I'm expecting is because they did something. They done did something. Somebody did something. And so she can say she's expecting because she did something. Once you release your faith, you're in a position to expect. I released my faith. I've acted on the word in the corresponding way. Now I'm expecting. If you're not expecting, you're not in faith. If you want to measure whether you're in faith or not, check your expectation level. Come on, man. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's the way of measuring whether you're in faith. You don't need a tape measure. You don't need a yardstick. You don't need a chronometer. You don't need a clock. You don't need a tablespoon. You don't need a teaspoon. You don't need a cup. You don't need a measuring cup. You need expectation. This is one of the ways of measuring faith. It's a spiritual tool. It's a spiritual equipment. It's a spiritual device. But you can measure whether you're in faith or not with your expectation. If you're not expecting, you're not in faith. All right, the next one here, patience. Patience is the length of your faith. It's the length of your faith. Patience is constant constancy or consistency. How long is your faith? Patience is how long you endure. Glory to God. It's endurance, consistency. And so patience is the length of your faith. You are no more in faith than you are in patience. The moment your, your patience collapses, your faith will collapse. Look at patience as being the peers that uphold the bridge of faith. Once those peers give out, the faith will go down. The faith will collapse. You're no more in faith than you are in patience. If you're not in patience, you're not in faith. So I don't have patience. You do have patience because you have the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that earlier. That's the reason we laid the foundation. And so you have joy, peace, patience, gentle goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. You have that. These characteristics are resident on the inside of you right now. And one of the symptoms of faith is patience. One of the symptoms, one of the, 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 the ways of knowing whether you're in faith or not is if patience is there, expectation. Then joy. Ha, ha, ha. Somebody say, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Glory to God. There should be some joy. Now, joy is not happiness. Happiness is based on happenings, but joy is a product of knowing what God has said about any and every situation. You have joy. And every time you hear from God, joy comes. You said faith comes by hearing. Joy comes by hearing too. Peace comes by hearing too. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. He also said the same, a similar thing. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have joy. We find one of them in John 16, 33, and we find the other in John 15, 11. Joy comes by hearing. Peace comes by hearing. Every time you hear from God, there's something supernatural, something awesome that that will take place within you. Joy is a product of knowing what God has said. If there's no joy, you're not in faith. Well, I'm I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm sure it's going to happen. And you're grieving and and so forth. You're not in faith. You're not in faith. You're not in faith. This is not for the purposes of measuring and judging somebody else. Remember we said that in the beginning? This is for assessing your own personal development. Where am I? If If the joy is absent, if there's no joy, if there's no patience, 
If there's no, no uh, expectation, you're not in faith. These are ways of measuring your own faith, measuring your own faith. Praise God. All right. Peace. Now, of course, you could spend about 35 to 45 minutes, uh, an entire session of looking at each one of these. All right. But we're not going to do that. Amen. And uh, uh, peace. Shalom. If there's no peace, you're not in faith. When they was on that boat, Jesus says, let us pass unto the other, the other side. Let us pass unto the other side. I believe it's about nine words he gave them. Those words were the enablement to make it to the other side. He gave them some faith. Let us pass unto the other side. Those words had contained the grace to make it to the other side, the faith to make it to the other side. So they had faith. There's no reason why they should not have had faith because faith comes by hearing. He gave them some faith. Notwithstanding, he had sp uh, spent the entire day teaching on the parable of the sower. So he gave them some faith. And we'll take a peep at that in a little bit. But peace. And, uh, you know, Jesus woke up. He was sleeping in the back of the boat on a wet pillow. He awakened from his sleep after they said, don't you love us? Don't you care that we're going to die? We're going to die. They already made a decision that they're going to die. Don't you love us? Faith works by love, right? Perfect love flushes out all fear. Don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus awakened out of his sleep, and Jesus said, what? was the first thing he said? Peace. Be still. He spoke. Where did that peace come from? It came from the inside. Peace came from the inside. He wasn't waiting for peace to take place on the outside. He had peace on the inside. He sleep on the back of the boat on a wet pillow. He awakens out of his sleep. He says, peace be still. How is it you have no faith? Peace be still. How is it that you have no faith? He speaks peace to the storm. He turns around. How is it that you have no faith? I gave you some faith. I gave you some faith. Before I went to sleep, I gave you some faith. I spent the entire day teaching on the parable of the sower. I gave you some faith. And then I said, let us pass unto the other side. I gave you what you needed to make it to the other side. And you woke me up. <laughs> and they woke him out of his sleep and did that, right? So peace is evidence of faith. If there's, he says, well, how is it you have what? No faith, right? Now, it wasn't, it, he wasn't as much dealing with quantity as much as, uh, like, why aren't you using what I, what, what I, what the, what I gave you? Yes. He gave them the deposit of faith when he said, let us pass into the other side. And he spent the entire day teaching. They had faith. It was that they weren't using the faith that they had. In fact, uh, the actual rendering is, how is it that you have not yet faith? Not yet faith. Not no faith. Not yet faith. And, of course, uh, he gave them something. He gave them faith. He gave them words, the word of faith. So if there's an absence of peace, then you're not in faith. So hope, patience, joy, peace. These are characteristics of, you know, love uh, at the same time. Uh, these are ways of measuring whether you're in faith or not. Righteousness, the word tells us in four different places. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just, another word for just is righteous. You're declared righteous. And so you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's not just a title. It is a, a title, but God is expecting you and I to operate in righteousness consciousness. Righteousness is who you are. But righteousness consciousness is knowing what you have a right to as you stand with God, knowing what you have a right to. You have certain rights and privileges, and knowing about those rights, it just gives you an attitude. There's an attitude that you'll have when you know what your rights are. 
And uh, this is a consciousness of righteousness, righteousness, consciousness. When you're operating in righteousness, consciousness, then you will walk by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And so if there's an absence of uh, of righteousness, consciousness, then that's going to influence whether you walk by faith or not. You're not going to walk by faith with sin consciousness. Sin consciousness, guilt, shame, inferiority complex, you're not going to walk by faith. And so righteousness, consciousness is another way of measuring whether you're in faith or not. Love. Faith works by love. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, We're talking about agape love. And so faith works by love. It's energized by love, by love. That's another way of measuring whether you're in faith. And then you have two more here, words and thanksgiving. Words. Words, you know, is, you know, is words is one of the ways of releasing your faith. It's the dominant way of releasing your faith. You know, your words are important to faith. In fact, it was your words that you spoke in faith that got you translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. You confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Glory to God. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Whosoever can have whatsoever he saith. Glory to God. You were introduced to this value associated with believing and speaking something at the time that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. With the heart, man believes, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So your words are important. Whatever you believe, you will speak, and it will work for you on the good side or on the negative side. Whatever you believe, you will speak. You remember with Job, he said, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and the thing which I was afraid of has come unto me. And he, was in, he got into error with his own mouth, his own words. Your words are powerful. Words are powerful. Words are likened unto seeds. They produce after their own kind. You have to be mindful of your words. Your words are powerful. Somebody say, my words are powerful. I know my words are powerful. Glory to God. Whatever you say will come to pass. You know what? I get sick every year about this time. Now, and you continue down that path. Uh, now, you believe that. That's why you said it. Now, I don't really believe it. No, you, that's what you believe. That's why you said it. But if you believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, everything I set my hands to does prosper. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Glory to God. I'll never be sick another day in my life. Glory to God. That's what you believe, and that's what you'll speak. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. That's 2 Corinthians 4.13. And what you believe, you will speak. What you believe, that's your faith speaking. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you want to be mindful of your words. Words are evidence of what you believe. Glory to God. And then the last one of this list that I've given you, thanksgiving. If you're in faith, you should be thankful. Glory to God. And some people, they wait. You know, thanksgiving is, a, is, a, is, a, is something you do on the back end. But there's also front-end thanksgiving. There's back-end thanksgiving, and there's front-end thanksgiving. Many, of, many people uh, thank God on the back end. Once they can perceive something with their senses, I see it. Thank you. Thank you. Now I have, you know, you know, if you say you're going to give me something, give it to me. Something. Okay. I have this thing that, uh, that uh, Scott promised me. Now I'll say thank you. Now I can say thank you because I have it now. I can touch it. I can interact with it. And so once the manifestation shows up, some would say, okay, thank you. But faith, and that's nice, and that's a courteous thing to do, but faith thanks God on the front end. So before it's manifested, you say thank you. Father, I thank you that I have my new multi-purpose facility. Father, I thank you that I have my new multi-purpose vehicle. Father, I thank you that I am 
the healed. Father, I thank you for manifesting this increase. Father, I thank you for promotion. And yet, has not yet manifested, but you're thanking him on the front end. So there's front end Thanksgiving and there's back end Thanksgiving. We want to do both. And there's only two times to be thankful. There's only two times to give Thanksgiving. One when you feel like it and one when you don't. And so that means always, always be thankful. Only two times when you feel like it and when you don't. Somebody says there's only two times to be thankful to give Thanksgiving. There's only two times to give Thanksgiving. When you feel like it and when you don't. Even when you don't. And uh, because it's not based on how you feel. It's not based on what has yet manifested. You're thankful. Glory to God. Thanksgiving is the big gun of faith. It's the big gun of faith, being thankful. Glory to God. I'm thankful. Praise God. Hallelujah. And what it'll also do is it'll, it'll make you whole. Glory to God. Remember those 10 lepers? They were sent. Jesus told them to go show yourself to the priest, and they weren't to show themselves to the priest unless they were cleansed. And they went to show themselves to the priest before they were cleansed. Uh, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were uh, healed. And one of them returned to give thanks. Glory to God. And he was made whole. So it's a good thing to be thankful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's a good thing to do. Somebody says it's a good thing to do. Glory to God. Amen. I want to talk to you about a couple of these, um, uh, these uh, measurements, these external measurements. And uh, I believe that uh, it's good to touch a couple of them. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, please. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. Glory to God. Everybody okay? Glory to God. Somebody say this with me. Let's get some manifestation of healing in here. Say this with me. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. Let's say it a couple more times. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. Let's say it one more time. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. So what we're doing is we're activating the, the power of God with our faith. We're releasing our faith. Now, let's say this. I will experience a manifestation of supernatural increase in my finances today. I will experience a manifestation of supernatural increase in my finances today. One more time. I will experience a manifestation of supernatural increase in my finances today. Glory to God. All right, we got that settled. Amen. Now that's sitting there working. Praise God. Amen. Now, uh, Mark 435 through 40. I'm going to share a couple of these with you. And uh, you can go there and we won't, you know, I'll probably share a few of them with you and have you go there and I'll just minister out of my spirit and uh, share these with you. Uh, Mark chapter four, we see no faith. It really could be rendered not yet faith. And I just shared that whole story with you. In fact, let me get my Bible so I can Look at it with you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mark 4. And let's just find these uh, measurements. Mark chapter 4. And notice here. Look at verse 40. Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's not as much. It's not that they didn't have faith. They didn't express any faith. There was no faith being expressed, okay? All right, let's look at another one. Go to Matthew 14, 22. <clears throat> Matthew 14, 22. Matthew 14, 22. This won't take long at all. Praise God. 
Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And I'm going to give you some scripture references, and you can go and read them a little bit more exhaustive lately, uh, later, rather, uh, in an exhaustive way uh, later. Um, Matthew 14, verses uh, 20, 22 through 31. You'll look at that later. Uh, but here... Jesus, let's look at a few verses here. He straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. I know I said I wasn't going to read it, but I did it anyway. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, this I be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto you on the water. He's the only one that put a demand on uh, walking on the water. All right? If it be you, bid me come unto you on, onto the water. And Jesus said, Come. And so Peter now has faith for water walking because of the word come. Faith came with come. Somebody say faith came, faith came. with come. Now, could he, walk, could he have walked on the water in verse 28? No. He needed the word because faith comes by hearing. Amen. So now verse 29, come. That's where his faith is. Once he heard the word come, now he has the capacity to walk on the water. Now, he would need to keep his eyes on come in order to traverse the entire journey from where he was in the boat to Jesus. He would have to keep his eyes on come. But what he did, he got his eyes off of come and got his eyes on the waves. And he began to sink. He didn't sink immediately. He began, he began to sink. He began to sink. So he didn't go down immediately. And in the same way, uh, once you hear the word uh, of encouragement, that enabling word, you can begin to rise. Glory to God. He began to sink and uh, saying, Lord, save me. And Jesus caught him, lifted him up, saved him and so forth. And he says, oh, you of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This is not as much dealing with content as much as it's dealing with how long he endured. It's dealing with the length of his faith. And so the actual rendering is short burst of faith. There was a short burst of faith but he didn't traverse the entire distance because he got his eyes off of come and got his eyes on the waves. And so here you see wavering faith. He got his eyes off of the, of the word come and got his eyes on uh, the waves and the wind. And you and I could do the same thing if we wanted to, and we don't want to. You could take your eyes off of the word and get your eyes on the situation and the circumstances. And James chapter 1 calls that wavering faith. We don't want to waver. James chapter 1 refers to wavering faith. It talks about wavering and talks about being like a wave, wavering, being like a wave. And here we see a classic illustration of that because this man is on the water and he allowed himself to waver after having seen the circumstances. And, you know, you don't want to do that. Uh, circumstances will present themselves, but don't allow it to cause you to uh, consider the waves. Don't consider the waves more than you consider the word. Glory to God. All right, and then we have, <clears throat> uh, now we're certainly not going to go through this one, but I'll talk to you about it. Great faith. We see great faith over in, as it relates to, uh, as it relates to uh, the centurion, 
The centurion had great faith. Uh, he was assessed as having a great demonstration of faith. And likewise with, uh, 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 likewise with the, the woman of Cana, the Canaanite woman, uh, or the Syrophoenician woman, Canaanite woman, she referred to as both. And uh, uh, she was also assessed as having a great demonstration of faith. Uh, with her, the Syrophoenician woman, and with this centurion, uh, neither one of them were Jews. <clears throat> they weren't Jewish proselytes. Uh, they weren't disciples. Uh, they both were interceding for someone else that wasn't present. And they both were assessed as having great faith. A great demonstration of faith is the actual rendering, a great demonstration of faith. And this centurion, specifically speaking, uh, you know, he says, I'm a man under authority, just like you, Jesus, just like you. In fact, in Luke chapter 7's rendering of it, because it's also found in Matthew chapter uh, 8, Luke 7's rendering of it, he says, I also, I also, just like you, Jesus, I also, two powerful words that he uses in uh, Luke 7, he said, I also am a man under authority, and I say to one, go, and he goeth, and I say to one, come, and he cometh, and I say to one, do this, and he doeth it. I understand authority, and Jesus, this man has great, this is great faith. This man understood the, the authority uh, associated with words. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to one, come, and he comes. Treat your faith, speak to, send your words in the same way that I send my servants to do this or do that. Send your words to my house and my servant will be healed. Delegate authority to your words in the same way that I delegate authority to people. You say, healing comes to your house now. Who has pain in their back? Anyone? Anybody have pain in their back? Okay. Stand up and bend over three times. Just stand right in the middle, right there in the aisle, right there and bend over three times. One, boom. Two, come on down. Two. And then one more time. Three. Now stand up and check yourself. Check yourself. Any pain? You're fine? Praise God. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. That's a big dude. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I gotta, I'm working on it. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, hallelujah. Lost my train of thought. Glory to God. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Say hallelujah three times. And so there's great faith, a great demonstration of faith. And then we have another one here. <clears throat> Glory to God. Uh, strong faith. And you find that over in Romans chapter 4. By the way, great faith is found in Luke 7 and Matthew 8. Okay. Uh, then you have another one. Strong faith, weak faith. They're found in the same location. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. You find strong faith and weak faith. And strong faith gives glory to God. Strong faith gives glory to God while weak faith considers. Over in Romans chapter 4, you'll see that weak faith considers and uh, weak faith consequently staggers. If you consider, you'll stagger. If you consider, you'll stagger. If you consider not, you'll stagger not. You'll see that over in Romans chapter 4 in dealing with Abraham's faith. Abraham staggered not because he considered not. If you consider, you'll stagger. You'll waver. All right. So you have great faith, excuse me, uh, strong faith and weak faith. All right. And so you and I have strong faith. Isn't that right? And uh, then in James chapter two, you don't have to turn there, but James chapter two, you find dead faith. Now, it's, God did not give you dead faith. God did not give you dead joy, dead peace, dead patience. He didn't give you dead anything. You didn't. He didn't give you dead faith. So what are we talking about here? Dead faith It's faith that's ineffective 
because we're not doing anything. Faith without corresponding action is dead being alone. Faith without works, faith without corresponding action. This word works refers to corresponding action. Faith without corresponding action is dead being alone. So there ought to be some action, actions that correspond to what God said to you. Not actions that correspond to what he said to me, but actions that correspond to what he said to you. Faith without corresponding action is dead being alone. So there's dead faith uh, or inactive faith. Then, of course, there's unfeigned faith. You find that in First, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and 2 Timothy chapter 1, 5. 1 Timothy 1, 5, 2 Timothy 1, 5, both places. You get some insight into that if you read that at your own leisure. Unfeigned faith. This is real faith, real faith, unfeigned faith. Faith unfeigned is real faith. Then feigned faith is phony faith, plastic faith, imitation faith. And uh, we don't want to operate in plastic faith or uh, phony faith, imitation faith. So unfeigned faith is real faith. Then, of course, there's ever-increasing faith. And, uh, but I want to show you this last one, and then we're going to park for the day. Praise God. Go to Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 11, please. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and we'll park after this. Mark chapter 11. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 11. Glory to God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. Notice what it says here. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in the same place that those things which he saith, yes, Lord, I'll do that now. Uh, when I say heart, when the word is speaking of heart, he's not talking about your blood pump because you don't believe God with your blood pump no more than you believe God with your tonsils or your liver. You believe God with your spirit man. When he talks about your heart, he's talking about your spirit, man. You believe in him with your spirit, all right? And so he says here, therefore I say unto you, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 23, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in the same place, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so notice here in verse 22, Jesus had just spoken to a fig tree the day before. He spoke to a fig tree. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. Yes, Lord. He spoke to a fig tree, and the fig tree withered up at the root. He dealt with the fig tree, and uh, it withered up at the root. Now, the day when he spoke to it, uh, they could not see any evidence that it had withered away. And they come back a day later, later, and they could see that it had withered away. And they says, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And so now they saw what they heard the day before. The day before, they heard him speak to it. The next day, they saw... The, the effects of what he had said. And uh, they were astonished. And Jesus says, man, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. Uh, you know, it's rendered both ways. Have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And that's the kind of faith that you and I have. We have the God kind of faith or the faith of God. And if you have the faith of God, you can speak to uh, fig tree. You can speak to mountain. You can speak to uh, dead men, demons. Waves, water, hogs, you can speak to anything. And uh, Jesus spoke to a fever one time, and it left this woman over in Luke chapter 4. And uh, the fever left. It heard Jesus. You can speak to anything and get results with the God kind of faith. So do you need mountain-moving faith, or do you need the God kind of faith? Do you, need, uh, do you need fig tree moving faith, or do you need the God kind of faith? Do you need uh, demon-moving faith, or do you need the God kind of faith? What kind of faith do you need? You need the God kind of faith. That's the master measure of faith. 
I like to say that's the mother measure, you know. Uh, that's the master measure. You need that measure, the God kind of faith. That's what you have. You have the God kind of faith, and God is expecting you and I to live by faith, walk by faith, eat by faith. Everything we do is by faith. Somebody say this with me. Everything we do, Everything we do. is by faith. Glory by to God. Faith. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. He's expecting you and I to use our faith all the time. And there's one other thing the Lord would have me to share with you. And uh, everybody okay? You got a minute? Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10. And, uh, and uh, I'm good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10. Glory to God. Are you all cold enough now? Amen. <laughs> Romans chapter 10. Glory to God. Amen. Romans chapter 10. And uh, I want you to see something here. And I'll, I'm going to loose you and let you go here. Uh, listen to this. Let's start at verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that word saved also represents healed, delivered, whole, complete, nothing missing or nothing broken. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on them in whom they've not believed? They can't. And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? They won't. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Glory to God. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? And so here's something that has provoked my thinking over the past few weeks as I've been meditating on this. Uh, how does faith come? By hearing, right? But not just hearing. And uh, not just hearing. It's not just the, 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 the words that are coming forth in this room. It's not just hearing. You also have a decision to make when you hear. Faith is a decision. You, you have to choose to believe what you hear. You don't have to, but you should. You should choose to believe what you hear. It's not just the hearing alone. It's also the choice. I choose to believe those words. Over in Acts chapter 28, I was sharing this with Bishop. Acts 28 and verse 23 through 26 or so, it talks about this, uh, these folks that were listening to the Apostle Paul preach the gospel. And he was in his own hired house, preached all day long. He didn't just preach for a half hour. He didn't just preach for an hour. He preached all day long in the house. And some believed and some believed not. Isn't that interesting? They all heard but some believed and some believed not. And so you're hearing, you're here, we're hearing, we're receiving, ideally we're receiving. I hear those things that you're saying and I choose to believe. I choose to believe, glory to God. Say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. We must choose to believe. You can experience a manifestation of the glory of God in your, your physical body today. Say, I choose to believe that. I choose to believe. You can walk in divine health. Say, I choose to believe that. You can hear it and still not choose to believe it, you see? And so it is a choice, even though you heard it, but the hearing will not override any resistance you have in your heart. You hear and you still need to make the choice. I choose to receive those words. I choose to believe those words. And I choose to act on those words in a corresponding way. And as you do, you tap into the power of God and the power of God knows nothing but to remove the burden and destroy the yoke. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Yeah. I hear the word. I choose to believe the word. I choose to act on the word. 
Glory to God. And it's working for me right now. Glory to God. You're good? How many of you are walking in divine health? Divine health. Glory to God. You're walking in divine health. You're walking in divine wealth. You'll never be broke another day in your life. Glory to God. You'll never be sick another day in your life. All right. Glory to God. This is a healed church. This is a wealthy church. Amen. Well, praise God. Father, we thank you for all that you would have, that you shared with us and the deposit that you made in, uh, in, in, uh, in the midst of this communication. And we thank you, Father, that uh, you're confirming the word with signs following and that we're acting on the word. We're enabled. We're empowered. We're encouraged. You will bring this to our remembrance, these words, and we thank you for it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I yield to uh, the leadership here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Good day. I'm evangelist and pastor Derek E. Wilkes, president and founder of the Congregation of Churches. Welcome to our website, and thank you for joining us for worship today. I'd like to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you didn't do that today with us, I'd like for you to pray with me right now. Say these words. Dear God, your word says that if I would confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I would be saved. I do that now. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I am born again. I am a child of God. Praise God. Thank you for doing that. I'd like to give you a copy of one of our publications entitled Faith to be Born Again. It's yours at no cost. Just let us know you want it and we'll send it to you at our expense. Also, consider partnering with us by tapping onto the link above that says COC Partners. Praise God. Until we come together again, I'm Evangelist and Pastor Derek e. Wilkes here at Congregation of Churches saying to you, Prosper. Thank you.